Welcome back to episode 58 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on November 2nd, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the flowery voice of Justin Sane 0516. Justin, how have you uh, been finding Festival of the Lost so far? Uh, eh. A lot like the last one. I didn't really, I didn't really uh, do too many of the quests on the last one, but I will say this: some of the legendary masks this time around, I really, really want. I just wish I had more time. Fair enough. Fair enough. We also have with us the infamous Wind of the Stars, Mel. How was your Halloween this year, Mel? It was blah, blah. It was actually very good. Um, this is the first year I've been able to be home for Halloween in like three or four years. I'm usually at a convention every Halloween. And I I actually dressed up. I dressed up as Mavis from Hotel Transylvania. And mm-hmm. we decorated the front of the house in like 20 minutes. And I got to pass out candy. And <laughs> I was such a jerk. But I had a fog machine set up right on the inside <laughs> of the door. So when, someone, when I would open the door, I would push the button in the push out small like poof and all like i had a bunch of little kids where they just went, ah! and like got super scared by the fog because it surprised them and i'm sitting there like hey, hey, hey. But, um, <laughs> it was really good like we we live in a very in a type of neighborhood where it's it's very family orientated so there was a lot of kids that walk were walking around mm-hmm. so we went through like i don't know like eight or nine bags of candy yes the other night so, um, but it was good and people knew what I was dressed as and it was really cute. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's See, you do realize Mavis isn't evil, right? You realize that? I know, but I, I got a kick out of the fact that this <laughs> was actually scary kids. It wasn't like bad scary where they cried. It was just kind of like a jump scare where they were more like surprised by it than like actually like crying scared. Um, I felt bad because this this one little girl accidentally broke into our decorations. It was just like a, a styrofoam like tombstone. But the she came up with her sister and her sister handed it to me. Her older sister's like, we're sorry. We broke this. And then I look over and I see this cute little girl who was maybe not even 10, probably like, I don't know, seven or eight. And she's bawling her eyes out, like, no, ah, no. like the hyperventilating crying. And she was so upset that she broke the, broke our decorations. And I felt so bad for her. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. And I gave her a little hug and I gave her some extra candy. So I felt really bad <laughs> that she was so distraught by it. But I was just like, it's, it's this styrofoam. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so... But um, but yeah, Halloween was good. <laughs> That's the best one. How's how about Festival of the Lost for you? Uh, it's been okay. Um, I kind of got most of the stuff I wanted within the first couple days. Um, like I said, after I, I I spent the money and I got my ghost ghost, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm happy. <laughs> so um, but I didn't. I didn't realize that the, the things that you put on your head, like the eyes and the, the jack-o'-lanterns and stuff, actually make you hear sounds. So I just, I, I thought it was just like <laughs> around the whole entire time during the Festival of the Loss. And then someone told me that, no, no Mel, no, that's just what's on, <laughs> on your head. And of course you wear a headset. At least I wear a headset with my game. So it's like literally these sound, these screams of like agony while we're running the raid. I'm like, this is this is very appropriate. <laughs> so, does, but, does um, anyone else I, hear these things? 
I, I just assumed it was a thing, so I didn't even say anything <laughs> about it. And then someone's like, no, 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 that's that's death. That's just you. So but, <laughs> those, are, um, those are your inner voices. They're, they're yeah, they're screaming my inner demons. So but um, we played trials this weekend and the stupid spider that comes down your screen <laughs> and makes a sound. I'm like, I can't tell you how many times it made me jump. And I'm sitting here like hard scoping down, trying to kill someone. And I'm just like, oh, I'm going to get this guy. All. And all of a sudden, it's spider. And I'm like, ah. And I, every single time that spider came down my screen with that music, I, I yelled F word spider. So, <laughs> um, so there was a lot of profanities yelled in addition to, you know, the fact that you play trials. So, but um, yeah. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. <laughs> Actually, mistakes weren't made that bad because we actually got the furthest that we've ever gotten. And one of our teammates, I wasn't playing during this time, but one of our teammates was, um, he actually went flawless. And the other two people that were on his team would have gone flawless, but they got DDoSed. So they had a loss on their coin. Oh, no. And um, (laughs) I felt bad because he was going to the lighthouse and right as he was going to the lighthouse on literally that black screen from out coming out of hyperspace splitting into the area he got disconnected and it took his coin and it was the first time he had ever been to the lighthouse so like yeah so he's pretty irritated right now and i am i'm a little bit hurt because i would because i'm usually the one that's part of the three-man crew for, for for trials with that group and so they, I, they were like, "Hey, can we take this other person around and try to get him the the emblem, the new emblem?" I'm like, "Yeah, go ahead." And the one time I didn't go with them, they went like eight. They they went nine and zero, oh, but um, yeah. So it was it was that was very spooky. That was very scary. That was the worst horror story, and it happened on Halloween. <laughs> that was so that was like, story. no, <laughs> it is a horror the, story. <laughs> the worst one I've heard is uh, actually Dustin, who made our song for our one year. Mm-hmm. He actually got Redneck to carry him. Well, not carry him. I mean, he, he played. But um, to to help him get to the lighthouse, they got all the way to nine wins, and he realized he hadn't activated his boons. <gasps> and when he went to the lighthouse, he did not. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. see, like, I, I think it's <laughs> – I mean, that's bad on him. I mean, what happened to so it was my boyfriend, our and our other two clanmates, um, and I felt bad for them because literally they would have all gone if mm-hmm. they didn't get a group of cheaters oh, that they kicked did, them. They just yeah, they yes. Did. So like you know, I, I still feel really, I still feel bad. Like I mean, I'm a little bit hurt that I I wasn't close, but I can't. If I was in Zach's position, that's my that's my boyfriend, and I was the one that had an eight and zero, and I got DDoSed. Oh man. Oh man. I think I probably would have like ra- literally turned off my whole entire turned off mm-hmm. destiny and said F you and <laughs> I'm not playing this anymore. Well, I'm done. So, well, yeah. Your life path number did say you need to keep a cool head and <laughs> Well, I did keep a cool head because it didn't happen to me, so I was fine doing it. I felt really bad for them. Before so. before we can get derailed from Justin's uh life path obsession. The current obsession of Justin right now. Uh, <laughs> um, well, so the topic of today's chat is going to be about the leader of the hidden and the vanguard mentor to all those lovable warlocks out there, Ikora Ray. 
Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at how stories are crafted and our thoughts on different styles of implementation in video games. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing as well. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast of the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, and Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire attached to it. Our next chat's going to be a discussion on the Commander Zavala, the Titan Vanguard mentor. With that, let's go ahead and explore the lore that we have concerning Ikora, or as some of us might call her, Corey. Yes, and I will start us off by reading her grimoire card <clears throat> that's just entitled Ikora Ray, a Warlock Vanguard. Arcora Ray's second life has been long and colorful. As an iconoclastic New Guardian, she made a reputation in the Crucible and in the halls of the Warlock Scholarship as an outspoken, unrelenting opponent with no patience for dogma or etiquette. That reputation became a burden, and Ikora chose to travel alone, flying reconnaissance across the worlds of the inner solar system. Shot down again and again, she and her ghost survived against all odds, apparently preferring the wilderness to the company of her fellow guardians. When Ikora finally returned to the city to rest, her hard-won knowledge and seasoned temperament commanded the respect of her fellow warlocks. She now serves in the war vanguard as a mentor and leader, carrying the memory of her wandering days as a link to rising guardians. <clears throat> so one of my favorite things about this one is she she actually chose to go out and 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 seek out knowledge and reconnaissance which is very echoing of what she further became um the leader of the hidden which we'll get into a little bit later um so it's interesting how her early life kind of helped dictated what she was going to become. Um, one thing that always stood out a bit to me of this card is that she actually prefers to go out singular, like by herself and to, to do whatever she's doing, reconnaissance or gathering knowledge. And as opposed to being with her fellow guardians, which when I think of, of warlocks, I, I feel that her herself of isolating herself is more of a hunter trait. So it always really surprised me when I when I read this bit of information about Ikora that she she's very much like, leave me alone with my books and my information and go do whatever you need to go do. So um, but yeah, uh, Blue or Justin, do you have anything you want to add to this card? Yeah, I was going to point out too. A lot of people kind of gloss over this, and <clears throat> I've I've mentioned this to. The reason I say this is I've mentioned this to a number of people, and every single time people have asked me what I'm talking about. So I really wanted to point out the the fact that 
Ikora right here, the, there's an important concept in this card, and it's actually in the second sentence, and it says as an icon, icon, iconoclastic new guardian. Um, an iconoclast is actually is something that a lot of people just kind of read and they're like, oh, that's a new guardian, blah, blah, blah. But an iconoclast is actually a person who attacks cherished beliefs or institution and is also a destroyer of images used in religious worship in particular. So what this is saying, and and this is important too because in um, the card that we're going to get to eventually, yeah, actually the next card that we're going to talk about, I'm going to bring this back up again, but this is saying that in her as a new guardian, she was di- di- like completely opposed to the established institution and beliefs of this ta- of the city. She was a rebel. She was she was, and it it's a um and I and I kind of have we'll we'll definitely talk about this as well. Um, there's a there's actually a warlock bond that is very important to Ikora's transformation from being iconoclast into being a i i would i don't there's not really basically a believer of the traveler and its powers and the city and the vanguard because i mean the thing is she's a vanguard mentor and so she's obviously come around um and i think that that's also very very important is that she she used to prefer the wilderness to the company I don't I don't get the feeling that that is currently I mean I think she went through a very drastic transformation uh, at some point in her second life and that has translated into her becoming the mentor. Um the the other point that I did want to make is that it is well I'll I'll wait until we talk about the the next card because that combined with the iconoclast kind of makes for a She's not she's not the the uh the bookworm that a lot of people think of when they think of war, warlocks. She's actually nearly literally the opposite. And uh we'll we'll talk about that. Uh Justin, you have anything you wanted to Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to say that uh the the kind of temperament of wanting to be a loner, it it is a very hump it's it's a very oft repeated theme of the hunter class, but actually there are quite a few loner warlocks who've caused a fair bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. So, and and I think that goes part and parcel with um, burying yourself in kind of, you know, study mm-hmm. burying yourself in the arcana and, and trying to, trying to find these answers to, questions that no one's even thought to ask so i i just picture warlocks like that really really smart person who's in a room all by themselves which is like paper strewn everywhere and almost like russell crowe in a beautiful mind where he's got yarn going from one end of the room to the other like i think at some point i think at some point it demands that you that you isolate well and yeah and i and um to to really quick to clarify Ikora's role within the Vanguard itself, um, her her role is to study enemy threats, um, especially those which are unconventional, such as the darkness, which, you know, like it says here, she's had, and actually there's a quote 
later that I'm going to talk about too, that speaks towards the experience being more than the knowledge or the experience leading to a better knowledge. Um, we'll get into that as well. But so she, she studies enemy threats, especially unconventional ones such as the darkness. And she's typically actually the first to respond to those because, you know, like, like Mel was saying, we're going to talk about the hidden and all that. But um, it is also very important to remember that just like Cade, she does technically report to Zavala. Zavala is the Vanguard commander. She is just a Vanguard mentor. So, yeah, but at some level, I call uh, yeah, she, reports to nobody. Right? No, no, no. And I mean, in the same in the same way that Cade has autonomy, you know, in yeah. his in his duties as you know the bounty leader and all that. Yeah. She she definitely had. I mean, I think that's I think that's kind of the part of she's the first to respond to those unconventional threats. Yeah. You know, she she definitely she does not she does not brook much patient. I mean, she it yeah. We'll I'll get I'll get into the the connection that I'm I feel mentioning here. Yeah, I feel like Zavala is almost like the president of the United States in that in that aspect. He knows what he needs to know. Yeah, and. He's finding out a lot of it late from Cade Macora. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get the sense that there is a degree of plausible deniability that Zavala requires. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and you know, we will, we will definitely talk about Zavala in depth <laughs> next week. But I think that there is a method to that um, because, as the Vanguard commander, I get the sense that. Um, he is often put he's often put in a position where he has to answer questions that are uncomfortable and i i, I honestly get a feeling that it's uh, kind of a a tactic of his to be like i don't know <laughs> like he can he can legitimately say i don't know and he can actually say that truthfully whereas you know if if they told him everything and you know, all that, then uh, he would have to lie. And I think there's a, there's an issue with honor with Zavala, but that's just my, that's my opinion of Zavala. But like I said, we're going to, we're going to definitely get into that later next week. Do you want to, you want to pick up the next card? Yes. Yeah. And, um, Maybe this is just my kind of skewed thinking of warlocks. Um, I I don't know. I'm a hunter like through and through. I have, I have a Titan and a warlock, but I rarely play them. So, I mean, I have played them, but I just don't continually play them. Um, Is a shotgun. The shotgun doesn't epitomize a warlock to me. That seems like a weird signature weapon for a warlock. Or is that just me? Um, I maybe, maybe not. I think again, you know, a lot of people get caught. You know, this is just again my my personal opinion of this. I think a lot of people get caught up in the stereotypes of the classes, and they keep forgetting that the classes are really nothing more than the philosophical approach of how to use light. Um, there is there is a general stereotype, you know, that's somewhat accurate, but I mean, Felwinter well, was a warlock, and yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. But dating back to vanilla, it always struck me as um, 
indicative of Ikora's personality that yes. she would yes. have a shotgun as her as her signature weapon. And yeah, yeah. That's I, I say that fully well knowing that I don't know warlocks as well as I should, other than the big name ones. Um, but anyways, I was supposed to read a card, so I'll read a card. Um, um, real quick, I think it's kind of interesting though that she does have a shotgun because her personality before she became the Vanguard mentor was very much against the grain. So I, to me, it makes sense that she has a shotgun. If you think, if you, if you think of a warlock, you don't think of them as actually running with the shotgun because their, their class weapon um, exotic is a fusion rifle. So um, to me, I, I I like the fact that she has a shotgun because it just further cements the fact that she is not your stereotypical warlock and that she has a lot more to offer than besides what is just generally known that warlocks are stand for. Mm-hmm. So, Not to exactly. mention the meaning of the name of the shotgun. Ah, you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let, let's read the card real quick and then we'll we'll break it apart. Yeah. Invective. I tried to talk them down. They made a grab for my ghost. After that, it was a short conversation. Ikora Invective was Ikora weapon of choice during her younger, more rebellious days. An ideal fallback for situations that can't be solved by wit, quick talk, or pure intimidation. This modified shotgun uses a self-replicating magazine to keep its owner well-stocked for any and all trouble that waits beyond the city. And it, it is awesome. It's like one of the only shotguns that I legitimately like. Like all the other shotguns I use and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm, I feel dirty. But <laughs> Invective, I actually like. I actually like the weapon. Yeah, well, and the the new ornaments too. Mm-hmm. The one that's the, I can't remember what it's called, but the cracked lava look on it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, and so we, we kind of made a comment towards it and the the meaning of so invective is actually a word and it actually means insulting abusive or highly critical language so invective was ikora's weapon of choice during her younger more rebellious days not only is it talking about a shotgun it's also talking about her language of how she spoke she was insulting abusive and highly critical of a cherished belief or institutions and a destroyer of images used in religious worship in particular. So she was no fan of the Vanguard of the traveler, which we know has a pseudo religious following, you know? And so there, there's a way of reading that sentence. Like I just said, there's two ways to read that invective was Ikora's weapon of choice. Her verbiage was, abusive and critical and we know from the card that mel read that she had no patience for for uh dogma or dogma or etiquette which actually kind of points to another warlock that we you know that i love bringing up who had no patience for obfuscation and who was the vanguard mentor at the time and that's osiris so they actually have a common thread between it and I and I'm gonna kind of I, I will talk about this more in you know as we get further in, but I think that I think that that's a reason that Ikora was kind of um, tapped in as the vanguard uh, designate, um, 
because she was very similar to Osiris in the personality department. And I think that they probably, you know, two blunt people in a conversation can usually get along. They either they either don't get along at all or they get along really well. And I get I get the feeling that Ikora and Osiris actually got along pretty well. And do you think that maybe that's a nod to Cade in that card when it's a fallback for situations that can't be solved by by wit, quick talk? No, uh, I think because I think the other thing that you remember about warlocks is that they value warlocks as a whole value um, the word, the spoken word. Um, that's one of the reasons that warlocks wear a hood is because they value the importance of what is being said over who is saying it. Um, and then we, and we know that actually from, I can't remember what the armor is. It's a rare armor, but it says that early warlocks wore hoods to hide their faces because they valued what was being said. They didn't, they didn't want them to be, they didn't want themselves to be listened to because of who they were. They wanted them to be listened to because of what they said. The, the quality of what was being said was more important than who was saying it. And so when when it says that it can't be solved by wit, quit talk, or pure intimidation, I, I actually I really think it's just talking about her ability as a um, not really a diplomat because she definitely wasn't, but as a as just an individual who had you know diplomacy, which I mean she's not a diplomat, but you can still have diplomacy there. I see. If that makes sense. Yeah, picking up what you're putting down. And then there was one there was one other item that I had uh flagged just because we were talking about just because we were talking about the uh the history of, of Ikora for you there. You wanted to grab that one. Yeah, yeah, um it is the Samsara one. And it says, personally, I've lost track of how many times I've died. I call right. That could be a Justin quote. <laughs> Followed by your famous sound clip at the very that's end of that. Justin, that's Justin in trials. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I always thought that line was really interesting because she's one of the few that actually says it. Like mm-hmm. when you talk to the other Vanguard mentors and you talk to other Guardian NPCs, they don't really talk about the fact or address the, that that mechanic in the game that the ghost will revive you when you're dead. Um, and she actually confirms that it's not just some random game mechanic for us to keep playing, but actually part of the whole entire universe within within the the game. So, um, but yeah. I think you have something else you want to to add, Blue, to that regarding her her death and rebirth. Yeah, yes. um, it, there's just there's there's a number of different mentions of Samsara and uh, di- a variety of different uh, religions and cultures. Uh, the, in Hinduism, for example, Samsara means the endless series of births, deaths, and rebirths to which all beings are subject, which is kind of exactly what. Um, being a guardian is all about. Um, and then there's, there's another, you know, mentioning of it in Buddhism, which is basically the process of coming into existence as a differentiated mortal creature. Um, 
And then I think Justin, I know you wanted to say something about the Sanskrit. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one I, I keyed on was the Sanskrit meaning of the word, which was um, wandering, which kind of spoke to me to Icor's younger days when she just roamed the wild on those reconnaissance mission missions and uh, also world. And it has a connotation of cyclic circuitous change. Um, and it also refers to the theory of rebirth or the cyclicality of life, matter and existence. So it kind of ties into the, to the Hinduism mm-hmm. and to the Buddhist. Well, and you know, well. just it's, the whole, all very linked. yeah. And the whole concept of resurrection for the guardians by the ghost and everything like that. I mean, it's a very, a very overt connection there for, for me at least. Um, so I think, I mean, that's, that's pretty much what I wanted to, that I think we got all that for invective. Did you guys have anything else with those before we Mm-mm. talk about how we actually get introduced to Ikora in the game? Oh yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So there is, there is a random quest uh, when you first start as a warlock and it is basically one of the multitude of quests that are called speak to Ikora Ray. You get a lot of these. This one in particular, though, uh, has a quote from your ghost that says, The tower is run by a group called the Vanguard. You'll report to Ikora, the warlock representative. She's very learned, said to run a spy network called the Hidden. In any case, it's best to listen to her. And then we have another, well, this one's actually Talk to Ikora Ray. It's another one of these uh, quests. And this is actually... So that was that last one was the introduction, and this is actually Ikora's kind of concluding comments to our guardian after we've reached, basically reached the pinnacle of the uh, the class leveling process. Um, and it's it's a quote from Ikora that she says, "Guardian, I can teach you no more at this juncture. Your accomplishments honor all warlocks and bring hope to the city. On behalf of the Vanguard, I thank you." Um. We also throughout this, and so there, there's something to be noted here. Uh, Ikora is throughout this entire process is both impressed and actually there's a degree of fear, it seems, towards our guardian that she she expresses, and you know a lot of people don't don't really think much of that. And the the thing that you need to remember with that is that Ikora has seen a lot of very powerful guardians in her time as a as a guardian herself, um, not just as the vanguard, but you know her the former vanguard himself, Osiris, was a very powerful warlock, and we all know the the path that that led him down. Uh, Toland was another very powerful warlock. Uh, Pradith, who she she doesn't remember because of the whole time thing, but you know she mentions that there are mentions of Pradith in in the margins of notes. Was another somewhat powerful warlock. These powerful warlocks, there there was a there was a degree of the the power corrupting. You know the whole absolute power corrupts absolutely issue, and there's there's a there's a degree of this in there the I think it's the Legend of the Warlock quest, and I believe this is a Taken King quest that got introduced, and it was kind of like a 
a retroactive one kind of similar to the hunter one i'm not i'm not a warlock main so i don't really remember this one because i never played it but anyways there's there's a number of steps in the quest and there's a few really interesting quotes and the first one is the quest is called early days and the quote says you are a light in the darkness warlock always remember that you are our beacon guardians like you keep us on the path make us feel safe at night we look to your light to make our lives brighter. And then, and so there's there's a couple points that I want to call out on that. Um, the first one is light in the darkness. It's a very important phrase for Ikora. Uh, we will talk about that definitely later. Uh, there's an actual an issue that I have with that phrase uh, that regards to another really big item in the destiny universe but then the next quote from the the legend of the warlock quest is again another quote from ikora and it's the fifth step it says dark places and this is kind of what i was talking about with the warlock vanguard she says the true extent of the darkness cannot be explained even with all our knowledge it must be experienced so you learn not only of the darkness but the light and the traveler as well this is kind of a tie-in to the Warlock Vanguard card in which we find, if you remember, she is saying that her travels, her hard-won knowledge and seasoned temperament that commanded the respect of her fellow Warlocks when she returned to the city, this is what she's talking about. You can't, you, you have to learn by doing, especially with regards to the darkness, because only by stepping into the darkness and and stepping up to the darkness can you really understand what is at stake. Um, and she goes on to say in The Legend of the Warlock, the, one of the final steps, which is beyond the sky, she says, The vanguard is a light in the darkness, and our light makes us a target, and we must be ready for what comes for us. So in this, and this comment is really kind of a nod to her role and the vanguard, which is basically the response of the threats of unconventional nature. Her entire purpose is to prepare for those that are coming after our light because our light is a beacon and our light is something that the darkness wants to quench. So she, she also goes on to say that, you know, she wishes that, you know, there's a very, there's a lot of comments about, I wish I had known when I was younger, what I know now um, and, and this is, this is just important because Ikora really is, I, I think that it, as much as any of the, the characters, you know, once you start really digging into them, Ikora really does have a lot of depth and there's, there's a very interesting transformation. You know, again, when we first, when we first hear of her, she's an iconoclast. She's, she's very rebellious. She doesn't agree with a lot of the stuff that the, the Vanguard and the city and all that, the speaker and all them say. And yet when we actually meet her in game, she's our mentor. She's a Vanguard mentor. She's not, she's not just, she doesn't just follow the speaker. She actually encourages others to do so. And so I just, I find that very interesting. And the, the entire transformation from from a person who's completely opposed to a person who's completely for it's often said that the biggest supporters are those that you can actually win over from the other side. So, and I'm going to, I'm going to let Mel take, take a stab because otherwise I'll talk your ear off. 
<laughs> I'm kind of wondering if she took the position as not as a hundred percent, maybe agreeing with mm-hmm. what the traveler has to say and and what it represents, but as a means to get her own ideas and and philosophies out to future guardians it's for them to not be as following as blindly in the footsteps of the traveler and of the speaker it it was kind of like i i have my own doubts and these are what my doubts are and this is what i think and i feel like you should take the information and make your own own judgments as well um where i feel like she's kind of that medium between um what the the traveler wants you or the the speaker wants you to be just follow blindlessly and osiris who wants you to question everything i think she's that even balance between the two to that makes you want to question stuff but not to the point osiris does um just feed you enough and keep you on your toes enough to be be your own self be your own guardian but still have the in mind what is good for for ev- what's good for the whole is good for for you know for the many so um blue you want to add something on that yeah um i was gonna say there's there's a couple of points i wanted to touch on um she definitely she definitely thinks that osiris is a little cuckoo um she yeah. has a quote that uh i can't remember the exact quote but it's basically osiris had something that he couldn't back and that's what drove him mad i think is paraphrasing what the quote says but you know she she studied under osiris she was his designate she was the one that you know he she was his second so of course she was on a very close basis you know with osiris her hidden she inherited the hidden from osiris um you know everything as a vanguard mentor she kind of got from Osiris. So it would make sense that she is very much aware of his own doubts and questions and everything of that nature. Um, the other, the other thing is, is so like, I find, I found, I found this really intriguing. There's, there's a bond called eternal light and it's actually, there's a quote on it that says you stand for something immutable and transcendent act like it. And it's a reprimand to young, younger Ikora Ray. Doesn't say who's reprimanding her. Just it's a reprimand to Ikora Ray when she was younger. Now we know when she was younger that she was an iconoclastic individual. So it, there, there's a there's a couple things in this quote that kind of stand out to me. Um, the word immutable means unchanging over time are unable to be changed. It's something that's unable to be changed or it won't change. Transcendent, on the other hand, is beyond or above the range of normal, merely physical human experience that surpasses the ordinary and is exceptional. And especially in regards to a, a deity figure such as God, it exists apart from and not subject to the limitations of the material universe. So basically, it's light uh, in, in the Guardian, in the Destiny universe. This is he's talking, or This individual is talking about light. Um, and I, I can't help but read that as either, either Toland or Osiris being the one who is saying this. Um, and I, I don't know if I can tell you why I think that, um, other than just the tone I get from it. Um, but I almost think that this might've been part of the, the transformation and the changing point for her because, you know, like I said, she was an iconoclastic individual, and now now she she kind of is a believer and a supporter of the Vanguard. 
There's an interesting thing about the Vanguard too, because a Vanguard, the definition of a Vanguard, and I'm sorry, I'm, I, there's a lot of words that I'm going to be defining. I should have opened the episode with this. There's a lot of words that I'm going to be defining because the definitions of the words, um, there's there's different definitions, and each definition has a very interesting bend to the way that it can be used in this conversation, such as the invective. Um, so a vanguard, to go back, the vanguard is a group of people leading the way in new developments and ideas, or or basically a position at the forefront of new developments and our ideas, or in a really, really obscure thing that I almost don't even want to make a comment about, but it also means the foremost part of an advancing army or naval force. So just, you know, if we're in a yeah, Navy, that's what I think of, yeah, I think yeah. Well, and a lot of people think that you're part of the Vanguard, you're the part of the advancing force, but it also means that mm-hmm. you're in the forefront of change. Okay. But, yeah. but yet you stand for something immutable. Like, so you stand for something who is, who is unable to be changed yet the vanguard is a group of people leading away in new developments and ideas to change things is it it you know it's just a really weird juxtaposition for because i can't help but read this reprimand as coming from a vanguard mentor um you know a mentor would be the person who reprimands it reprimands a person who's standing you know against the grain so i mean i just those those definitions kind of are, are a intriguing juxtaposition, like I said. So, but Mel, I know you. Um, so was Zavala a a mentor before she became a mentor? I mean, I I, I think he was, yes, but like yes, was, when she was young, was he the vanguard mentor at the time? Z- like the leaders, Zavala. Zavala. Yes, Zavala was at. See, I, I, I almost saying, yeah. feel like this reprimand is more of when she might have been getting close to becoming the Vanguard mentor. And I almost see the, the act like it part sounds like, like Zavala to me. And, it's, and I don't, in my mind, that's what I kind of, kind of think like, um, I, I can't imagine something, someone like Osiris kind of saying that I, I don't, I just don't feel in my mind that he would, he would say something about that. Yeah. I, 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 I honestly kind of have a more feeling towards Tolan because of the whole transcendent. It could be Tolan. Yeah. It could, yeah, I could see it probably maybe be Tolan. And the um, only, yeah, the only reason I was saying Osiris is because he was the Vanguard commander, which is an interesting right. point and too. He, she studied underneath yeah. him. Right. So yeah. Osiris actually used to have the position that Zavala has now is, so it used to be, Osiris was the Vanguard commander, but when he was exiled, or when he left, uh, that commander title passed to Zavala, and Ikora became a mentor. So, mm-hmm. just to keep the the political hierarchy there in mind as well, it used to be a warlock in commander position. Now it's a titan, hmm. never a hunter. That oh, one, I I honestly feel that's probably for the best yeah yeah no no that's 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 the point is you you don't you don't want no. I love no. I love my hunters don't, I don't love apologize. my hunters but it's don't apologize it's it's definitely the mentality we of a hunter is how the hell do I get out of this like we would actually get some stuff done <laughs> it might not no, it might not be no, the most wouldn't. legit way of getting no, stuff wouldn't. done I. 
I wow. feel like if the hunters were ever in charge, it would just be like the de- degradation of like all the towers, and like there'd just be a lot of parties, and like no. I can't, I can't imagine hunters actually. You know, <laughs> I feel like they would like you know what this whole entire vanguard mentor thing. Why don't we get away with it and just like go do our own thing and just like we'll just send past notes back and ch- yeah. back and forth a couple no. times. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it would be like you guys have your meeting about why we should have a meeting to talk about why we might need to go deal with this. And then by the time you're done with that meeting, all the hunters are back and they've already killed whoever it was <laughs> you were talking about. You so. know what? I feel like if a hunter vanguard, uh, if the vanguard mentor became a in an actual like leader of the vanguard, he would just be like, you know what, um, Titan and Warlock uh, mentor, why don't you take care of everything, and I'll be back in a few weeks, and you tell me how things go. So essentially, just, they would just like pass off the responsibility yeah, to them. I anyway, see, I see the hunter commander being like, all right, so I'm in, car- I'm in charge, right? I give myself the order to go back to the wilderness. See ya, bye, and just like <laughs> drop run. Like, I mean, hunters, they have to use the vanguard dare to trick the hunters into coming into the vanguard. Like, it... it the- <laughs> The only one I can maybe see that the only NPC that we've met so far that's a hunter that I can see maybe being okay is Shiro because Shiro feels very re- like regimented like you mm, have to do this yeah, and then you have that. to do this. But even whereas even he, yeah. I get the feeling like, he's like I kind of prefer not being in the tower. Like I have a feeling if Kate ever has to leave because he because Shiro report is like directly mm. under Kate from my understanding. So yeah, Shiro is like, one of his scouts. Kind of like yes. this was. Yeah, so I, I feel like uh, he would be in there and he would be like, you know what? Damn that, Cade. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I like Shiro. He's 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 my he's my salty robot boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you just yeah, he just I mean, he's got a lucky raspberry, too. So he's just salty. But yeah, anyways, he, let's he stop talking have, about hunters and actually talk no, about. I, I like where, I like where this is going. <laughs> well, hey, you know what we we can we can segue because there is a hunter connection here um, in this next next kind of conversation topic that we're going to cover. Hmm. Um. So the next part is is continuing on with uh, the talk to Ikora, and this one is speak to Ikora like we just did and it is a quote from the ghost and it says Ikora heads up a group called the Hidden they're a crack group of intelligent agents in other words spies I'm just glad she's on our side so and then the next one is called one of us and this is actually um, having to do with errors this is a quote from Eris, and mm-hmm. it says, Honor us, Guardian. Show the hidden you have what it takes to join our ranks. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to probably piss off a lot of people with this next comment. This kind of confirms that the hidden is not a class-specific organization. I'm going to get so much flack for that. Well, but I never saw it as a class-specific no, I, either. I, 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 they're Eris? Pe- Eris, Eris yeah, a Eris is a, a hunter. hunter, but yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation about how the hidden are warlock intelligence, and it's like no, it's an mm-hmm. intelligence gathering network. 
and the one of us bounty really so it actually introduces two things first off we know eris is a member of the hidden uh eris is not a warlock she's a hunter she's actually one of the few members of the hidden that we have confirmation of actually i think off the top of my head she's the only no that's not right uh Ariana, three, don't we have was Ariana? Actually, the entire yeah. Crota Fire team was hidden. I think. Yeah. Uh, isn't there also a little bit of them talking about the Queen Marasov came in and he- for meetings with the hidden? Isn't there uh, that as well? I don't. I don't know. I could have sworn there was. Okay, I'm now I'm gonna sure. search. Yeah, Continue go, on. Go with. go for search for that while I, while I make my next point. The next point is there's a possibility that we get to be part of the hidden. Because that's what this entire bounty is doing, is us showing the hidden that we have the right to be in their ranks. And this is not a class-specific rank, a class-specific bounty. This is not a sub, you know, nothing specific. Everyone had access. Now, I don't think this, this bounty is still active. Um, it is a historical record, so to keep that in mind, that it, it's not an option for the I think it's what is that? Um Crotus Bane. Is that Crotus Bane? Is that what uh yeah. her her yeah, faction yeah. is? Um so Aris. you used yeah, Eris, you used to be able to get Crotus Bane rep by completing this. And it was basically you killed hive majors. That's really all you did. Um but it it was just an inter- and there's also a quote from Brother Vance that talks about how he recognizes the mark of the hidden. Um, and we also know that the hidden have multiple, uh, multiple class items. Uh, you have the, the curse of the hidden, uh, is that a bond? Uh, the cloak of the hidden is a hunter. And I think there's a mark of the hidden, which is the Titan. So we have cross class mentions of hidden, literally hidden icons on each class that can be worn by each class. Um, I really strongly do not see the hidden as a class specific network of intelligence uh, at all. So, yeah, I don't know who would. I just, I've had, I've had this argument a couple times on Reddit and uh, even on some of the BNet forums. I mean, like I just, and it's, it's one of those things that I completely, I completely understand um, if you just hear, oh, Ikora runs the hidden and you don't, you don't dive into it further. I can see that being the, the, the assumption. Um, but I just want to, I want to really point out the fact that the hidden to, you know, if you start really looking at the items and the quotes on some of the items that regard to the hidden, especially from like brother Vance, especially from the one of us bounty. It kind of it, it really does to me softly confirm that the hidden are not class specific, and it actually even opens the door to us being part of the hidden eventually. So, did you did you find what you were looking for, Mel? I'm I'm still I'm still going through. Okay. Give me about another couple of seconds, and I can I can answer that. Okay. So so. Do well, we want to move on to one of the better written cards, the Crota Son of Orcs? Yeah, um, can I can I give a really quick introduction to these next couple cards? Because I yeah. think it's yeah, really, do it. It's a really interesting. So it's it's kind of it's it's a very nice addition to the grimoire here, 
Because what these next three cards basically are going to do is they're going to actually give us snippets of Ikora and her thoughts on the different events within different DLCs. So, for example, this card that um, Justin's about to read is actually her thoughts on the Dark Below events. Uh, We have a card that I'm going to read after Justin that will be her thoughts on the events from the Vanilla game, uh, which is the Black Garden, basically. And then finally, we actually have a card. I finally managed to find it. I For the while, that it was it was eluding me, and I was like, ah, oh, I wish we had something for the Taken King. And I finally found it. There is an actual card that is a sample of her thoughts on the Taken King events and actually her view on the enemies that were introduced in the Taken King. So we actually have passages from Ikora's journals and from her reports that actually points out the way that she evaluates information and analyzes the information that, you know, is her role in the Vanguard. So keep that in mind. That's actually what we're going to hear. And I think that's really cool. I, I, I really like that. I wish we kind of, we kind of got a few of those from Cade and I know we have a few from Zavala. So we'll definitely be talking about those as well, but so yeah, that's that's my my reason for including these cards um, in this conversation. So I'll let Justin go for it. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, one of my actually favorite as far as how well written it is. Um, cards and is Crota, son of orcs, and this is Ikore's thoughts on recent events after Mayor Embrium. He hides in the dark below, the monster of Luna, the titanic god knight who walked the regolith beneath the sky of green fire and butchered the greatest army of guardians ever assembled. We abandoned the moon rather than face him. Whispered lore and fragmentary theories suggest that Crota represents a distinct class of hive entities, not resonant in our material world. My latest synthesis of this scattered esoterica suggests that Crota's home is a universe created or remade by his power and occupied by hive organisms of immense age. Any guardian formidable enough to return with information on this dark reality might help us understand the hive's goals for our own world. And, more pressingly, such an expedition might provide the key to Crota's defeat. The epithet Son of Orcs is an ambiguous translation often disputed. At this time, no direct action by hive entities of more expansive power have ever been observed. Those who trade in hive lore bicker over the exact positioning of Crota. Is his world the apex of hive power, or is it the youngest and most accessible string of netherworlds, each host to a more terrible hive arcanity? The nature and possible relationship of the Vexgate system with Hive Neverworlds remains unexplored. Ikora. Yay. I love that card. Yeah, I I I really actually like all these these next couple cards. Because here's the thing is like the cool thing about these cards is that we know like we know outside a game the events that happen, right? We know how they happen, the history of what they're happening, but this is actually a view from a character that's in game on their interpretation of what's happening. And so 
you know, the information's not a hundred percent. Like we don't really, you know, the, there, there is some guessing here. You know, they, she says the, uh, the epitaph son of Oryx is an ambiguous translation and it's often disputed. So even that is not, we don't even know if that's actually the translation for it, but it's, it's still, it, I, I, I just really, really love the fact that we are seeing the, we're, we're seeing the event from behind the eyes of a character that's within the universe. So we have to, we have to put on those biases and the, and it's, it's a psychological thing, but it's like, you have to put on their biases and their fears and you have to, I mean, it really helps you get into the character and get into the head of these individuals and to understand what, what the Vanguard is thinking, what they're seeing, you know, what the guardians are looking at. This is how they react to these things. And, you know, there's all the humor and stuff like that, that we, we, you know, always attribute to the, the thing of, you know, we don't die and all that. But this is also, there's something super serious going on in the universe, and this is their response. This is their interpretation of all that stuff. And I, you know, again, really, really think that that is important for us to remember, as well as, you know, all the fun that we make fun of, or that we we have in the game. So... But with that being said, you want me to talk about the soul progeny? Yeah. Okay. Please. So again, soul progeny is going to be uh, Ikora's thoughts on recent events. It says two commanders of Allah. So this is actually a, a formal report to uh, Zavala. And this is my thoughts on recent events. Zavala, how like you to ask me for the bad news, even in this moment of triumph? I finished going over the go- that ghost report. It is my hypothesis, a hypothesis at best, that the Vex saw the abominable presence at the heart of the garden as a divine power. I can hear your protest already. How can machines have a god? The answer is simple. The Vex, for all their voracious intelligence, could not understand or decipher what they found. They searched through av- all available reactions, and they settled on the course with the greatest payoff, to worship this power and to remake themselves in its image. I believe that the three Axis mines found in proximity to the Abomination were Vex machines built to serve as vessels for this power, a way to extend its reach across space and time, binding it to the Vex and the Vex to it. If they had succeeded, I cannot begin to guess what horrors they would have unleashed. Attend carefully, there is cause for hope. When endangered, the Abomination activated these vessels and defended itself. This tells us that it was threatened. Whatever it was, Guardians could harm it and it activated only a single vessel at a time. Its strength was limited. Whatever it intended, it was not ready yet. We must assume the abomination was part of something greater, and we cannot flinch from the terrible obvious comparison. Just as the Traveler acts through us, this power was able to act through its own servants. Let us be wary. There may be other abominations and other vessels. Ikora. Love it. So, again... Um, you know, again, a, a, a biased look at the events from the vanilla game. Um, you know, I, this, this was, 
I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, we've, we've, we have already parsed this out within the Vex episodes. You know, we, we definitely talked about this card because this, this introduces the, uh, the three major, uh, Vex figures, the past, present and future frames that we fight at the end of the game. But it, it also, it also introduces the way, or it doesn't introduce, but it, it, it's another instance in which Ikora is showing that she is, she's studying all these events. You know, the ghosts, the ghosts are replaying all these missions for her. Um, you know, it, the, that's what her job is. And then she takes that information and she forms hypotheses about what we can do to, you know, become more efficient or become more dangerous to these threats to the city. Because remember again, you know, she says that the Vanguard is a light in the darkness and our light makes us a target and we must be ready for what comes for us. So this is her way of making sure that the Vanguard and the guardians are ready for everything that's going to come at us. And I mean, that's, and I, I love, I do love the nod, um, at the bottom. There may be other abominations and other vessels, I think that was a that was a clever, clever little tie-in that Bungie allowed for future expansions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You wanna you wanna well I guess talking Take the about next one? yeah talking about other vessels. All Take. right, so the next one that we have is the Taken, and this entry is specifically from the journals of Ikora Ray. I have been talking to Eris about the Taken. She agrees that we must observe the apertures, the starlight, and of course, the Taken entities. Is not hive magic. If hive arcana is a metaphor, this is the meaning. If they make appeals, then this is the judge. Oryx wields this power, but Oryx did not make it. We face the same flower we met in the Black Garden. The process is simple. An aperture opens like a jaw and swallowing a living thing. It passes into another place. Later it returns. What returns is, I try to use the word shadow, but Eris hisses at me. A shadow is a flat projection cast by light in an object, less real. Eris insists these taken are more real somehow. She uses words like inhabited, exalted, rendered final. Is this power blind? Just a natural energy orcs discovered? I cannot believe it. My hidden tell me that the Taken shrine with the seething negative light, as if the universe is curling up around them, as if they radiate some pathological that decays into our world as nothingness. The Taken serve orcs, but I think those jaws lead elsewhere. I dream about what happens on the inside. I dream about what might happen. Are the victims devoured and replaced by Simlerka, hussed out and filled up? Is some mathematical operation conducted on them, translating them from one shape to another? What I would see if I left inside? What would happen to a guardian? Is that how we end this? All of us leaping into the dark to fill it up with light? Eris thinks there's poetry to how the Taken change. She thinks we can chart the difference and understand the will behind it. I'm afraid she might be right. I... I love this one a lot um, because uh, 
her her whole entire thought process is is not going over how do we defeat these guys it does to a degree but she's more concentrated and you can tell that she's excited about the fact what are the taken yes oryx controls them but he did not create these things something else created these taken and like She's basically equivalenting the a taken to almost a black hole, but where does that black hole lead? And no one really knows. And she is dying to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, I also find it really interesting that the part towards the end, um, how do how do we end this all? Do we leave into the dark and fill it up? And I think it's interesting in in the raid mechanics of the Taken King when you fight Oryx, you when you go into that that final bit um you're kind of like into like ascendant type realm and it's all darkness and you have to defeat the shadow of um of oryx and basically i you kind of feel like you are filling up with light you go in there and you defeat the shadow with your light and then therefore you defeat it so i think there was kind of an interesting nod on um her kind of acknowledging something that we kind of do in raid um and then how we might be able to defeat it too so um those are some of my favorite parts um about this about specific of this card um blue or justin do you have other bits that you that stood out to you guys justin not justin yeah yeah, okay no i'm sorry i'm sorry my uh mic was muted yes yes i actually do um, there's one part that speaks to me. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Like Luna's. a flower? Yes. We face the same flower we met in the Black Garden. Mm-hmm. The flower prevails. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> but is it the voice no. of the flower <laughs> that prevails? <laughs> yes. No, Um. I do, I do like Ikora's take on the Taken. If that that's no pun intended. Um. But the thought that the Taken were not so much created by orcs as they were just kind of, you know, furthered by orcs. The Taken would exist with or without him. They're they're kind of an eventuality. Um, I love the line, is this power blind? Just a natural energy. Orcs discovered. I cannot believe it. So um, that, I think, alludes a bit to the worm's influence um, mm-hmm. here. But yeah, it's just Icor's understanding of all this uh, top tier hive arcana is kind of leads me to believe she may be in touch with Toland. <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, I think. Yeah. Um, well, if if Eris is a part of her hidden and Eris has Tolan's journal, mm-hmm. there's a good possibility that she knows more about Tolan's theories and information that we know as guardians. So she could just have been pulling that from Tolan's yeah. journal. Right. Yeah. I was just so. about to say. And, you know, what drives a warlock to madness? Information. Truth. Perhaps what drives a warlock to madness software. is truth. I mean, that's, that's the, the Osiris card is, you know, what, what drives a war. That's the entire point of it is that, that endless, you know, pursuit and chasing and, you know, just the in the endless pursuit for that, that pure truth. Um, and I think that's, again, you know, like we were like what I was saying earlier about the, uh, 
the classes being a a difference of the philosophy of how to apply the power. That's really, I think, the the crux of what it is that warlocks. That's that's what makes a warlock is they want to know why, they want to know what they you know they want to know how, they they want to know. Whereas, you know, a hunter is just more concerned with like more of the individualistic protection or, you know, the the pursuit of the unknown or the, you know, as they say, the perfect shot or whatever. Whereas a Titan's kind of more about defending and actually doing battle to a degree. The warlock is more concerned about the question of why and how and what are we doing and, you know, where where you know the the five w's is really that's their thing they want the knowledge they they want that they want the truth and that's what drives them mad is because it's ultimately impossible to actually know like you you can't even an immortal being doesn't have the time or the capacity intellectually to really understand everything there is about the universe but that doesn't, you know, that's that's one of the, you know, across, and this is kind of breaking, the, this is going to break the fourth wall, but across all science fiction, you know, ta- and Justin, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, across all the science fiction, you know, books and movies and stuff, one of the common themes about humanity is we don't ever stop asking questions. We are oh, no. always looking for more. We always want to know what's going on. We always want to know what's around the next corner. We're, we're always pursuing something, and it's, it's a never-ending pursuit. And it's almost like the human, ex, the human situation is, is the pursue. Like, we, we don't, anytime we actually get the answer to a question, it just leads to more questions. I mean, you know, just doing more exploration, you understand that. Anytime we get an answer from Bungie, it's like, okay, well, that, that kind of makes sense, but in order for it to make sense, we have 50 more questions. That's the human, that's the human condition is what is going on. And the warlocks are like, warlocks are like the embodiment, the pure embodiment of that. And Ikora really does that, that, I mean, like what exactly what you're saying, Mel, she wants to know, like she definitely wants to know how to defeat them, but it's almost more important to her to know what they are. Because, I mean, and in knowing what they are, you can obviously figure out a way to defeat them, but it, defeating them is almost, to, to me, it almost seems secondary in this card. Mm-hmm. She wants to know what it is. She wants to know, you know, she talks about, it, is this a natural power? You know, I, I can just hear this, this unspoken, is a natural energy? Is it something that we can use? You know, and, and, and she says, I can't believe it. And, but there's still that 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 inquisitive nature of the human human condition is just i don't know I, i've always seen warlocks in the lore as that kind of that just pure inquisitiveness of the human condition whereas titans are kind of more like the protective aggressive aspects and the hunters are kind of hunters are very complex but they're they're kind of protective as well, but in their own way, they're very they they want to explore. Everyone wants to know, but it's different aspects of it. Like a hunter wants to explore, whereas a warlock wants to study, and a titan just wants to punch. Um, 
I want to say that this card specifically really outlines that warlocks and mostly Ikora Ray is very exemplifying that knowledge is power. That for them, this this is their their source of their power. Yeah, they have their their abilities and stuff like that. But you know, just like um, the 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 sorry, stumbling over words. The Titans for them, defense and reliability and being able to to protect is their power. And I feel like if you look at the three, they all balance out each other in terms of how to uh, attack a problem. Specifically in war, you have you have your um, your hunter, your Titans, which are your main line of defense. I see hunters as kind of your offense and. Mm. Uh, to an extent, sort of reconnaissance, but they're kind of like you're, you're kind of they, they go out. They're like the scouts, and whereas warlocks are more of like the strategists and use the knowledge gathered from all the other sources and puts it together so everyone understands it. Um, but this one really, really this this card in particular really shows that the importance for warlocks and knowledge is power. Yeah, and um, there's a number. I mean, there's there's two quotes that come to mind right off the top of my head. Uh, there's one. It's the pursuit of knowledge is never a waste of time, Guardian. In your hand, knowledge will be your most powerful weapon. And then there's actually there's another conversation that she has, and I I can't find the quote, but it basically is exactly that. It's um, basically knowledge knowledge is power and that's why it's important to never stop learning is because the more you learn the more you know basically the more powerful you become so Mm -hmm. it is it is very true for that is how that is how that the warlocks definitely view view the aspect of information and knowledge i i I agree a hundred percent on that Mm mm-hmm but it no go for it, Justin. Oh no, was, it it almost brings me back to that quote that quote from Eris Morn in the Crota Fire Team, where she asked Tolan, "Why do you keep these words as weapons to damn us mm-hmm. all?" And that seems to be not necessarily to damn us all, but that seems to be the a very warlock mantra, like. Secrets and words and thoughts are far more powerful than, you know, you know, bullets and brawn mm-hmm. and and action. Yep. No, I mean, and I I agree. And I mean, there's there's a number of um, quests and mention and uh, God mentions missions uh, that we have quotes from Ikora that you know again going off the whole knowledge is power concept that definitely get that. And we're going to, we're going to get into those really quick. Um, but I did want to point out there are a couple of what I've, I've kind of identified as like extra lore items. Um, and I don't, I don't know if we need to, we definitely are not going to read all of glory, but, um, cause that's a really long transcript. I again, encourage you, if you have not read the transmission, um, items, go read them. They're so good. Uh, you find, they have, especially the one with the Vanguard, uh, Glory 2.1, there are so many quips between Ikora and Cade that are just hilarious. Uh, or not Glory 2.1. Um, 
Oh, which one is it? There's, there's the one that has the Vanguard. I can't remember off the top of my head of it, but there's, there's one that's the Vanguard just speaking to each other. And it's, it's absolutely hilarious. You learn, you learn a, a lot about Cade and Ikora. But um, Glory 2.1 really actually confirms a couple of things. It uh, it actually mentions that Ikora. Uh, well, first off, first off, it gives us a pet name for Ikora, which everyone should absolutely love. Corey. Uh, Corey is apparently her pet name, and uh, it actually mentions that Ikora was raised off Earth, so she's a human, but she's not a Terran, which is an interesting, interesting concept. Um, and it and it also confirms that there was a romantic relationship between Ikora and a member of the Owl Sector, Shun, which who is the liaison between the Owl Sector and the Vanguard. Um, in another card, we actually hear about a, a romantic relationship between Cade and a frame. So that's that was an interesting <laughs> nod. Um, yeah, it's uh, they're, they're, those those are really good. Uh, really good cards to read. I really encourage people if you haven't read those. Um, the next, the next extra lore item that I wanted to kind of call out was the card for Rift. Again, um, we're not. I don't think we need to read it. the The reason I just wanted to point this out is um, this. This really kind of just points to the uh, the fact that Ikora Ray discovered the Warlock Focus exercise that was then later modified into the Rift game. So Ikora is the person to blame if you don't like Rift, um, is basically what that confirms. And Damn then- Ikora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Downer. And then, and then the final one that I really want to mention, because I don't know anything about it, and it's really annoying, is the Dawning. What is it? I don't know. But it's a it it's a consumable, and it's a letter from my core ray about the dawning. That's literally all a I con, have a on consume, it. A consumable. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, wait. I don't even know if this 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 is in the, this is in the database. Like I I was searching, and it's in the database. I don't remember this being anywhere in the game. I've never seen such a thing. Yeah, it it no. looks it looks really pretty. But it's it is literally pretty. for those it's, of you for those of you who are listening who can't see this item. It is a very ornate letter that is in sort of a... I think it's a filigree, would, like a gold yeah, filigree. It's in a, yeah, it's in a gold filigree elo- envelope, and envelope, the maybe? edges yeah. are are done in gold with a gold tassel hanging off of it. And I you can tell that the read. writing... I yeah, and you can tell that the writing is done in some type of calligraphy, also in gold ink. It, it reads very much... Of elegance and formality, um, but we don't know what it says. Yeah, from <laughs> Ikora Ray, the dawning. What is it? Why do you tease me like this? Like this. And the description reads a letter from Ikora Ray <laughs> about, about the dawning. The dawning. I'm like, oh, that's okay. Cool. That's that's helpful. Thanks. I hate you a little bit because now I'm like, now there's yet another question that I probably will never have an answer to. But before I completely drive myself in. So that's a really pretty thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to Ishtar Collective and search for The Dawning and you'll see it. It's very, very attractive. Could it be in reference to the Ward of Dawn? The ability that Titans have? 
Yeah, and I mean, either and, that and or the, you know, the the rise of everyone from the collapse or the dawn. I mean, there's so many there's so many different ways you can or, you, or the dawning of the golden age. I mean, it's interesting because when you an, an Osiris. Oh, uh, yeah, with, I was I was trying not to. But, you know, yeah, there's also the the whole concept of Osiris and, you know, the sun, like the event that took uh, Vance's eyes. So there's a, when I just did a quick search on Ishtar Collective, there is the same consumable artifact from not only Ikora, but Zavala, Petra, Raul, Eris, Cade 6, The Speaker, and Shax. And it all has the same text on it and are the same picture. <laughs> a missive from Lord Shax in honor of the dawning. And then from this, a, a letter from the speaker written to commemorate the dawning. So See, the dawning I think, was a thing. I think this is, I, I think this is, I don't know, a note from Maris Morn written during the dawning. The oh, dawning. okay. That makes sense. Ah! <laughs> like, just maybe, a maybe dawning. tell us what it says. Maybe. A oh, dawning God. message from Fraul. Oh. Uh, so a dispatch from Commander Zavala about the dawning. I'm gonna cry. Oh. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God, if if our site has a dawning letter, I'm out. Oh my I'm gosh. Out. Okay, okay. Before before Blue goes absolutely insane, <laughs> let's let's go That's to like, the quest and missions. I was gonna ask you. Donnie, there's so many different (laughs) possibilities. All right, so quest missions. Yeah, I've got um, Chamber of Night. So, um, yeah, yeah, this is a vanilla story mission, Um, and it reads: Your discovery is perhaps the greatest of your time. If the hive were able to infect the traveler through this long lost shard of its battered shell. Ulantan's theory may be true. All light remains connected across space and time. We cannot let our enemies use this power against us. Ikora Yeah, and that was the Chamber of Night. So that was they actually had a piece of uh actually had a piece of the traveler and were mm-hmm. doing their hivey hiveness to it to try to <laughs> try to do some bad stuff. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, it was vanilla. Yeah. The the only note that I would say is from the darkness card. We actually know Ulantan's thesis. I. Uh, it says Ulantan's thesis considers the darkness a necessary symmetry to the traveler in a cosmic balance. In this view, the traveler's goodness led it to sacrifice for others, and it is up to us to return this goodness by healing the traveler. So basically, it's a yin-yang situation. And I'm trying to think. I don't know if I really have anything else to extract from that other than, you know, the fact that Ulantan was viewed as a heretic, heretical view, um, which is an interesting because if we proved Ulantan right, that would be kind of a blow to things. But the uh, the next quote is about the Nexus, 
and it says, Far below the Ishtar Academy, the Vex have set something into motion, a world-eating machine transforming Venus into another link in their intergalactic chain. This nexus must be stopped and the mind that controls it destroyed. End of quote. So basically, they're trying to make the uh, Venus into Mercury. So... Um, the next one we have is the summoning pits and the quote goes as following something dark stirs in the depths of the hell mouth. We can feel it. A hive abomination bred for unthinkable evil. We must pierce the veil of the summoning pits and destroy this creature before the hive unleash it behind upon us. I Ray. So um, I actually, this is the, the nightfall, I believe this week. Oh, um, yeah, doing it's the new oh, version. God. Where you, you, oh, yeah. that one. okay. Who's no yeah, longer Fogoth, sadly. Yeah, it's yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so they're just ta- referring to the giant, giant ogre down the summoning pits that you had to destroy. The ogre who um, was once known as Fogoth. Yeah, that was actually one of my favorite strikes during Vanilla. Believe it or not. I Anyways. I don't believe it. That that uh. That strike was a bit tedious. I liked it though. I don't. I don't know why, but I liked it. I. I. I did like it. So, um, do you want me to go strike. ahead and? Oh, do you want to grab the the war mine, Justin? Uh, yes, I sure can. I was gonna say strikes are never tedious. What are you talking about? That's a lie. I know. <laughs> Saber, you, you sir, um, you sir, are a liar. <laughs> Just like uh, the the number paths of life. Yeah. Yep. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Nine. <laughs> um, Nine. The war mine. The war mind. They say the war mines were legend, even in their own time. Now we know Rasputin lives. Your discovery is priceless, Guardian. Nothing in the Cosmodrome is more important. I Ray. We're important. We are so important. We're discovering things besides spin metal. <laughs> um, and then the next one is from the dark below. It's the undying mind. And it's quote says the black garden may not stay, may not stay among us for long. Something has begun to repair the schism torn by its destruction. Vex now flood the garden channels to protect it. We must stop the weavers before they seal the garden and begin to summon back its heart. Doon, doon, doon. And uh, a globular thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which makes me worry because they can summon the heart back. Mm-hmm. Like, so we did all that work for nothing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much is what I was getting. I'm like, so wait, wait, hang on. So why did you make me go through all of that rigmarole? Maybe if we had gotten the entire process explained to us properly the first time around, we wouldn't have to do it again. But yeah. no. Remember, Icor, how knowledge is power? Yeah, I could have used some of that knowledge <laughs> before I went and did that. That would be great. Curse you, stranger. <laughs> um, so the next one is the echo chamber from the Taken King, and it is as follows. The Vex still mourn the loss of the Nexus mine. With the Vex, time is relative. In one moment, a construct is lost, and next, it is reborn. When a powerful part of the network is lost, the restorative mind is summoned. It has begun creating a bridge through time, a bridge that, if not destroyed, will see the Nexus mine reborn. Personally, for my core, Ray. 
enter the frustration of dealing with temporal manipulation. And, and also console exclusivity. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, you, you don't want to do the strike. The strike, you, if you thought, if, if you thought the, the summoning pits was tedious, play this one. It is awful. Anytime this yeah, strike well, comes up, I don't, I just immediately go like, we're not doing this. And I exit to the, to orbit and go back. <laughs> well, this is the, this is the spinning thing, right? That you jump over. It's like, skip it. It's worse than skip it. It's like a skip it and like all of a sudden got on crack. You know those memes of like of like it shows R two D two. Like this is R two D two, and then this is R two D two on meth, and it's like a picture of a trash can. It just falls over. This is like skip it on meth, okay? Because it's awful. So, um, it's not even skipping. You have these, you have two orbs, kind of like a tomb husk, and you have to like pick up one and then walk to the other side. But at the same time, the space is getting smaller or bigger, and like your cover's changing, and then there's ads, and like it's, it's fine if you only had to do it once, but you have to do it like four times or something like that. It's, it's awful. It's awful. But, anyways, so it's like bop it. It's I was like, about to say, isn't um, wasn't there a game called that was like? Is that the one that you put around your ankle and you have to spin? Yeah, your no, foot? it's called Skip It. That's is that Skip it. it? Okay, I it's Skip It. I hated that thing. It's the thing, yeah. And you jump around, uh, jump over it. It's <laughs> jump, just like jump, thick. jump around. No, you don't. Jump there's off, no jump. Ju- there's no jumping. There's no jumping. You can't jump when you have the relic, the thing. It's like carrying. Is there not like an arc, like little line that spins around that you have to like do or you just follow it? You just walk in front of it. You don't jump over it. Yeah. Yeah. There's it's it's like a wall. It's like a a wall and you can't go past it. You have to like Mm -hmm. pick up the thing. And then as the wall is revealing more of space to get to the point to put the object in ads, but the ads are able to walk through the walls. The Vex are able to walk through the wall. Yeah, so but you can't. <laughs> it's that sounds you like you can't sit sounds, with us. <laughs> that sounds Perfect. totally enough to make me buy a different console. <laughs> it's awful. Anyway, basically, basically the Vex are red barring, and this is just yeah. the RPVE equivalent of Iron Banner. And mm. I, I just, I, I guess I DDoS myself and I leave because <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to go anywhere. So, or I don't want to do it. But anyways, uh, the next one, uh, the Storm Collars Pass, which is a really fun quest. It is a good fun quest. Yes. Yeah, it is. Who doesn't like, you know, like shocking people with lightning? Um, the Storm Collars Path. Yours will be a difficult path, jagged like lightning itself. It is only the few who have the power to call down the storm. I've not often seen this talent from one so young. I always knew that you were different from the others, but I never understood my unease. I'm afraid there's little left I can teach you. I court Ray. Yeah. Yeah. And and this, okay, so this is this quest is the one that you remember when i said she's impressed but she's scared 
Uh-huh. <laughs> this is because where that comes from. This this entire quest, like when she's talking, you know, like when when well, and we'll talk about it more next week. But you know, when Zavala's talking about the Sunbreakers, how his voice kind of gets really emotional. Her voice does the same thing, except it's almost more of like a fear. And so, you know, like you know, it, it it's very hard to put it in text. But if you haven't played this quest, I really encourage people to go out and just just play this quest because it's really, really, really cool. Um, and that's coming from someone who can't yeah. stand Bife, warlock mechanics. Bifle killed me for saying that. But, oh my he gosh, him. He, he got so <laughs> pissed. I was he like, did, fine. I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody until I played the quest. <laughs> He didn't either for like a week. <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> but wow. uh, almost, almost though, um, Icora's unease almost kind of rules out her being a storm caller for me. Hey, oh, let me let me read the next card. Then we're going to come back to that. OK, cool. Like just just because we have one more card and then we're going to get into the ideas. Or what do we think? Go ahead. Okay. So the final card is the Taken War Venus. And it's a it's an after-action report to Zavala from Ikora Ray. And it takes up in the middle of a sentence, which is really fun. So, and we've managed to uncover a few more references to this Praetith as a result. We're using what the Collective had in their vault to help our efforts. Meanwhile, the Guardian's work across Venus appears to be working. Without the Echo, Taken activity is in a decline. I have full faith the area can be swept clear of the creatures. So again, just uh, another look at Ikora's reports in all these. Um, okay, going back to what Justin was just talking about. The question that everyone always wants to know is, what subclass are these characters? My answer is, I I really think as a mentor, I get the feeling that she partakes in all the subclasses. We know that a lot of guardians kind of do that anyways. Um, but there's, there's, there's people who have presented, uh, the, the theory. And I, I want to say the destiny lore cast team is the one that is a big supporter of this. I'm not a hundred percent sure on this one. Uh, so don't, don't, uh, don't quote me completely against it, but I think that was what someone said in our chat earlier, uh, last week, but, there's there's a number of people who present the idea that Ikora is actually predominantly a stormcaller because and my understanding is that is that's based off the the insight that she provides us during the stormcaller's path quest um my my dispute to this is that the only reason that we have a subclass specific quest for the stormcaller and not for voidwalker or sunsinger is because they didn't in, like purely mechanics, they didn't introduce the concept of subclass quest until the Taken King, which is when they introduced the Stormcaller. The uh, the Legend of the Warlock quest is actually kind of a rolling Voidwalker and Sunsinger into one quest that they introduced as the Taken King as well. I personally feel that if we had a subclass specific quest for each subclass in the same depth that we got for the Stormcaller, that the conversation would be a little bit more even uh, as far as which subclass she presents as predominantly because of the simple fact that we would get the same level of detail for the Sunsinger and the Voidwalker that we got for Stormcaller, 
if that makes sense. So that is all to say that I don't know. I I kind of I kind of see her as more of a void walker. I've always kind of seen her Me, as more yeah, of a void walker. Well, no, go um, for it. Go for it. Go for it. I, especially since she was kind of the one that developed the rift, rift. which yeah, is that, that rift good, is yeah, a very yeah. similar to the Nova bomb, right. that whole entire action. So I've always interpreted her, especially since a lot of her, which we'll get to in, a, in into a moment, um, her design um, <laughs> kind of <laughs> suggests to me that she would be a void walker. Um, Justin. No, I just, I just read the end of the storm caller's path. And I see her say, I'm afraid that there's a little left that I can teach you. I call Ray. And this is to a brand new storm caller, right? This is not to a seasoned storm caller. So I uh, just, just given the timeline of that and the fact that I is uneasy um, and afraid, so to speak, I don't think Ikora is afraid of anything she understands. And this just really suggests to me that Ikora doesn't fully understand the Stormcaller subclass. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that's just going to just completely disagree with me, which is fine. But it just it's very uncharacteristic of her to to feel ignorant of or to have any unease whatsoever, let alone be, you know, uneasy or scared of something. Well, okay. And see, mm, I'm going to be one that disagrees with you on that point. Um, because she says it is, it is only the few who have the power to call down the storm. I've not often seen this talent from one so young. Mm hmm. I read that as, and and so, and then also within the Stormcaller's Path quote, you have the intro, the opening line is, yours will be a difficult path. I mean, that's not, that's not something that you say uh, like, oh, I, I, this looks like a difficult path. Like, you know, if you don't know what you're talking about, you don't say it like that. There, it would be a different, Mm -hmm. um. A, a different structure in the in the sentence i would feel like uh i i don't know she feel I, when i read this i definitely get the sense that she is speaking from experience i can definitely see she yeah. definitely has experience with the storm caller um because she also in the in the quest uh there's there's tat or there's a there's a quote that she talks about going and meditating because trying to sorry it wasn't well, during wasn't the quest ready. during the quest but, you but are close. required to go and meditate right on right. Yeah. the Mars. storms but like so like storm yeah. bond she says let me tell you what i wish someone had told me in my early years embrace the stillness become the storm become yeah i mean yeah like i mean yeah har- harmony within hurricane without is the is the mm. her is the storm caller um you are the calm eye of the dire storm. You know, it, it, I, I just, and like, and then like, you know, there's different quest steps within it. You know, she, in the living, uh, there's a quest about a living storm. And she says the unbridled, the unbridled fury of the storm trance contrasts with the control that the storm caller exercises as she pulls down the sky. 
Now, I'm going to say that, but I will also say that she has similar quotes about Voidwalker and Sunsinger. Uh, you know, if you if you guys don't follow our Twitter account, one of the things that I do, especially I especially love episodes when we do individuals because that allows me to do like quotes. I do I do a post I do like a trivia post every morning uh, for the topic of that week. And so like for this one, I was, I went out and I got quotes from different quests and different, you know, in-game quotes from Ikora. And there was, there was, there's one, and each of the Vanguard mentors has this, there's one for each subclass. Um, the Vanguard mentor, more than anything, really, they seem to have experience with each subclass, which makes sense because their entire purpose is to mentor people. Um, the, uh, but I, I don't know, like I, I can I can just see I can I can see the argument. Oh, I love this one. Uh, a stormcaller striking distance doesn't end at her fist. No kidding. No sh. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's like fifty feet away from him is where it's at. I just found that one. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, you should have read that. must also remember that we're all hunters and hunters (laughs) in general do not really like warlocks so i I will wombo and ask questions later (laughs) i'm sorry sorry. that 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 one is just really funny (laughs) um but like I mean, she said like there's a call lightning. She says a storm caller is the eye of her storm. Her lightning reaches out to everything else in front of her. And then you know, going back to the storm caller's bond, she talks about embracing this. You know, someone she wishes that someone had told her in her early years to embrace the stillness. So I, I don't know. Like there's there's just so many different. It, yeah. I, the thing is, is like it's not just the Stormcaller. The Sunsinger has very similar stuff. Um, Voidwalker has similar quotes as well. So it, it really, so, it really is kind. Of, but I've always gotten the sense that she's a Voidwalker. I, I don't know. Yeah, and okay, I, I'll play devil's advocate. I'll go the other side of the coin. So it could just be that her that her uh, unease when observing us completing this uh, Stormcaller quest is just at the fact that how adept we are at you know and it kind of ties in with us being the chosen one right it ties in with us being you know something special as opposed to being just another guardian i always interpret interpreted her being uneasy especially the fact that she says someone so young um that she knew someone maybe Osiris that was able to harness or Tolan able to ha- harness the ability of a, vo- uh, of a storm caller to, to someone's detriment. Um, and they're just, she's just concerned that the power um, is too powerful for someone to so young to wield. And then they don't have the knowledge and the experience to handle it in, well, in a safe and correct form. I, 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 I mean, Okay, let's let's go. Okay, I'm gonna play uh, Dregden's advocate on this one. Um, <laughs> the the I I understand. I see. I totally see that uh, reading of the subclass uh, text and the, the stormcaller. 
But honestly, I think a Voidwalker would be more prone to abuse because we know that a Voidwalker strike does more than just physically harm. It actually it actually takes life force. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to find That's the ex- <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm trying to find the actual <laughs> quote, but um, there's there is a there's there's actually oh my gosh, it's so it's aggravating. Oh, here it is, siphoning strike. Uh, Voidwalkers siphon life energies for a variety of uses, a method other guardians might not approve of, but there are dire times and sacrifices must be made. Um, there is also a withering strike. A Voidwalker strike does more than harm you. It takes from you. And then there's one last one. Yeah, here it is. Over lifetimes of battle, Voidwalkers drain the life energy of many opponents. Disputes rage in the tower over effects this might have on a warlock, but the debate the debate is pointless. If we stop fighting, we all perish. They're they're the vampiric forces of destiny. Um, the the other the other kind of defense that I have for viewing Ikora as predominantly a Voidwalker is like uh, Mel was saying, Rift. Um, we know from the quest Not My Runner that the Rift match began as a Voidwalker focus exercise. We we were attempting to increase the yield of the Nova Bomb. We succeeded, easily doubling the yield, but the resulting Void density was impossible to detonate. So it's one of the few times where she actually identifies as part of a subclass. Um, and then we also know from the Rift card that she kind of invented that exercise. Like she introduced that exercise and modified it. So I I don't know. It it's it's almost a moot point because I know my my view of the mentors again is that they are kind of equally all subclasses. But mm-hmm. um I yeah. Yes. That's my that's my input. <laughs> wow, that was a very definitive answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So definitive. I. I. Yes. Well. So. Besides, yes. Besides, besides, yes. Obviously, we're not going to get into that. Um. So what what I want to do is I have one idea from chat that I want to talk about, and then I'm going to give it over to Mel for for what we are calling our costume analysis or the fabric theory. Um, we need we need to come up with like audio cues for these different things that now that we're kind of we know it, we've only been doing it for a year we should probably identify what yeah we should we're. get it together um, eventually we will don't don't worry about it can um, we be really corny and have like the sound of card shuffling for when we get ready to do grimoire cards oh don't don't tempt us we like can. that Mel like we can, <laughs> we can. We can totally do that. Um, yes. <laughs> and then when we do like extra items, like uh, weapons and armor, can we have like the sound of when an exotic decodes, like the kung sound Ooh. as playing? No, cause, yeah, because yeah. I was about to say, because that might freak Justin and I out. You might get screams <laughs> of tink tink across the, the I, podcast. I might, I might have to go to the tower and decrypt. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so why don't we just skip and go? Ting ting, yeah, and that's ting, the sound ting, of us. Um, so real quick, there was there's one thing that's with Ikora that has been bugging me since since Rise of Iron, um, and well since since private matches really. Um, 
And that's that's the timeline issue with Thorn. Big big problem that I have with it. Um, other other than Thorn just being you know the amazing weapon that it is. Sarcasm there, and but timeline killer. Yeah. Oh God, I know. It's just I'm and I I'm trying I'm trying to wrap my head around this, and I kind of talked about this today in the Discord chat. Um, so we know from the Ghost Fragment Widow's Court that Ikora. Ikora Ray. Okay, here's the defense of this. Ghost Fragment Widow's Court is a conversation between two individuals. There's a hunter and then a warlock. The warlock is also the vanguard designate. Um, and the associations that are listed on the card are Shin Malfer, Ikora Ray, and Shax. Uh, Shax, pretty much because it's a crucible map, is I, I don't think that anyone's going to disagree with that, uh, that association. Now, the other two, Shin, we know is a hunter. And Ikora is the Vanguard designate. A designate is literally a an individual that has been identified to fill a position, but has not yet filled the position. That's it's an important em- emphasis on that. They haven't yet filled the position. So this is this is the Vanguard designate. This is the person who is going to fill the Vanguard position for the Warlocks, which is Ikora. Like, I mean, it, it is Ikora. I, I can't, I don't know how else to read that. Um, not to mention, she's also spelled out in the association card. So there's a conversation between Shin and Ikora before she was in the Vanguard. So this is before we are around, because by the time we come into this picture, she's already the Vanguard mentor. Okay, so that puts that into a timeline-esque general frame. Um and it's basically Shin kind of berating Ikora about how they're not taking Thorn seriously. And she's kind of like, oh, you're too close to the situation. You know, we got this well under control, blah, 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 speaking the company line, which she, you know, obviously is not an iconoclast anymore. But so this all happens. You know, Thorn's going rampant in Crucible. Uh, Shin's like losing his mind over it. And and then what happens is we come into the picture in year one and we get a quest that's called a light in the darkness. Now there's Ikora talks about being a light in the darkness constantly for our guardian and for the Vanguard. Um, so the, the importance here is that a light in the darkness is the exotic quest to get the year one version of Thorn. Okay. So we are, we're now getting a clearer picture of this whole thing. Thorn is potentially just a shadow of the original Thorn. It's not actually the original Thorn. It could be. It could be the original Thorn. We're not really sure. It could just be a, a mock-up of the Thorn. But in order to get the year one Thorn, we have to go speak to Ikora, who then does something to help us get Thorn. After the point, after the conversation with Shin in which she was warned about the thorn being the final death of guardians. So she, she has the conversation. <laughs> she, she has this conversation with a person who is basically like, no, you're, you're going to, you're, this is very serious. This is not something you want to mess with. And then she goes and later helps recreate the weapon that she was just like previously warned about. 
She don't care. I did. It's it, what? Is it, ah, like what? Like what? It, what? I'm like there's. It's 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 a very nuanced problem, but it's one that's just been bugging me because it's like she is she is so focused on you know making sure that the darkness is is defeated and you know all the stuff and yet she goes and she creates a weapon of sorrow or she helps she helps create a weapon of sorrow which is the epitome of a weapon from the darkness like Ikora what are you doing could it be possible that she's allowing us to do this to study the effects i, I don't find know a way i mean like to... it, i mean okay yes it could but it it just to me it it's like okay but then okay 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 <laughs> are you okay no i'm not this is like this has been <laughs> okay. bugging me okay so okay, okay. Then yes. on top of this, okay, so you you could okay you could say that she is using us to study the effects of Thorn on the Guardians, sure. Yet then in the Stormcaller's path, she talks about how she's nervous about the power that we wield. So she just gave the Hulk a super boost of energy. Like I mean, th- what? This 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 particular this particular storyline just to me makes no sense. And I and I don't know how else to see it because at the same time that she's saying that she's nervous about our guardian, she's also helping him create or her create a weapon of sorrow. Well, maybe it's such a watered down version from what the original Thorn is, the But end. still, it's it's not as potent as the original used to be or a true weapon of sorrow i mean it's a test weapon of sorrow i i don't know i just mm. this bothers blue it does it just it just seems like a very big inconsistency and i don't know how else to see to read it i Um. i'm wondering if she might have some insider information regarding it from her conversations with Eris and maybe reading Tolan's journal but, and but maybe she wouldn't under have, working she wouldn't have had them. conversations with Eris at the time of Thorn at year one because this was before the dark bullet true yeah 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 hmm. so maybe she had conversations with Toland yeah I mean it's, it's, yeah I just, or maybe she was a contemporary of pre-Dregden Dregden hmm hmm I mean that would make her that would make her very old. Well, I mean, what is age in this game? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not. I don't. I didn't mean that as like no. It couldn't be. It just. I'm trying to think. I don't know. This is just one of those frustrations that I've had, and I've tried. I've tried to wrap my head around like multiple scenarios in which it makes sense, and I just i I can't figure out the the flow of decisions that would make it okay for the year one thorn quest to exist the way it did when they did the ghost fragments for uh blind watch and widow's court actually both are uh when ikora is the vanguard designate um 
when both of them are <laughs> you know i mean does it i mean right does it make sense yeah yeah no I mean, no, I understand blind the watch, Blind watch. It's talking about the thorns pestilence is becoming commonplace, and that's 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 a quote from Ikora. A dangerous that's, assumption: the thorns pestilence is coming coming right. commonplace, and yet she goes and helps create a thorn. It could have been that that quote was done taken after allegedly we get the thorn. Well, and in it blind, becomes in blind watch that was been she was vanguard designate as well. So that was before. Before, yeah, it was before. This is the frustrating part. Hmm. So yeah, that's what I've been banging my head against. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm still thinking that the, the only way it would make sense to me is the thorn that we get is not the actual thorn. That is such a watered down version. Like it's the safe version of us to play with, you know, and that like, okay, we've already, we've already tested it enough and we're going to give it to you because if we take it away, you guys are going to throw a fit. Um, so here, here's a safe version. Don't go too crazy. <laughs> I just love mage in the chat. I mean, everyone was fine with Hulk being on the Avengers and then they go and blast him off into space because he's too dangerous. It's all fun and games <laughs> until the lines crossed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, maybe this is just the hint into the fact that maybe the our per our, <laughs> us perceiving what the vanguard is is not as right and aligned. This is this is I don't know. This is one of the things that just like is my frustration is like <laughs> I I and I'm sure that there is a I'm sure that we will maybe hopefully one day get an explanation that makes sense. Or maybe this is just the one aha moment. We got you, Bungie, to <laughs> their, their storyline. And oh they're gosh. going, oh, no, they noticed. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just like the thorn. But the thorn story is like it's a very integral part of a lot of what the I know the writers are focused on. Like they, they oh, pay attention is. to. And so it's, for yeah. me, it, it's just like and that just it just seems like a little nuance that just seems really, really weird. But yeah. And, and the fact that we are I always thought it was really weird that a gun that has so much information in such an integral part of the lore within Destiny and especially what it stood for and what it did in the hands of your um, I was always surprised when they gave it to us. So like I. I have to think that the version that we get is not the actual thorn. It's some replica watered down version right. of it. And we, I it, mean, it, and safe. we know that, and we, we do have now a precedent of that within the lore with the dredge and the shadows of yore. Yeah. Cause they do mention that. So, it is. so I, so I would like to assume that the, for the year one thorn isn't actually thorn. It's still this watered down replica version of it. So fine. <laughs> I'm not I'm not satisfied what? but <laughs> I, will, satisfied. I will let I will let it go for now. So uh those of you if you work at Bungie and you have a power um please release some type Listen. of small one-line yeah. grimoire to help blue sleep at night please. Listen. I core knew what she was point. doing but she wanted to do it anyways. Hey, listen. I feel okay. like that's a little you, bit you of decided 
they were going to re-release Thorn, and then they shoehorned it in there. It's not ever going to make sense to you, Blue. Shh. Never. Everything needs to make sense. The truth well, must they, be obtained. They were able to. They were able to get Galley in there. So. Yeah, but yeah. That, that, uh, okay, let's but, go to let's go to let's go to but, let's go to constant analysis <laughs> before we get into exotic debates. Iron Gallon. <laughs> okay. uh, do we want to roll? I want I want to yeah, hear Mel's. No, no, no. Mel Mel has a uh, Mel has a uh, analysis oh. to deliver. Oh yeah, our our very own our do. very own costume analyst. Yeah. Oh yeah. no! I can't believe you're giving me this this heavy title. I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm also I'm now like the the like we're now the vanguard of lore, <laughs> and I am I am the keeper of fabric and costume knowledge. <laughs> Done. Nice. That is your new title. <laughs> oh what am I? You don't want to know. I'm not allowed to okay. say that on the PG You're podcast. Li- like, if we were actually, like, I know we're we're not really these classes, but I feel like Justin is is still the hunter. Blue is the Titan, aka Zavala, and then somehow I I'm Ikora, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> Justin, Justin, I think is okay with that. <laughs> I know because okay. it gets to be a hunter. <laughs> like an honorary hunter. I'll 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 give her that. She's- okay. She's the hunteriest warlock there is. <laughs> if that's even a sentence. I feel like coming I feel like as a hunter, I feel like that's a compliment. But if I was a, a main the warlock, I feel like that would be an insult. <laughs> we're not gonna Well let, that's because we're warlocks not gonna let, don't have a sense of humor. Yeah, we're not gonna let Bife hear that comment, so Oh my. <laughs> um, all, right, all right, anyway, go so, before uh, Justin derails us. So what? let's let's go ahead and I kind of want to look also at warlocks in general um because I feel like if we're looking at the vanguard the vanguard is I always in my mind see them as the ideal and representative of that class. So um the main thing I want to point out with warlocks and warlock robes in general is what they look like. Um they very much look like our robes that you wear when you graduate, especially if you look at those who get doctorates and stuff. The lines and the shape and the length um, all are very, very reminiscent of scholar robes, which if you think about it would make sense um, in terms of what warlocks stand for, because warlocks, they are the keepers of knowledge. Knowledge is power with them. So um and even beyond just within our own realm of existence, if you look at a lot of um, mythological stories and fantasy stories, those that always wield magic and um, or are considered scholars are always have ones with long robes. So I make the, the whole entire shape and silhouette of a lot of warlocks signify um, the ideal of, of someone who wields knowledge and in some type of magic um another note on the magic part is that um i want to say from on the reef they actually referred to them as magical terrorists i what i don't know if that is directed towards um <laughs> guardians in general but i mean there's a lot of a lot of things that signify that that warlocks are kind of the quote unquote magic users of, of the group. Um, whether you want to deem that, that they're voids or the, the storm callers or something along those lines. Um, for me, that's how it always read. 
So, but um, with Ikora in general, then her, if you look at the colors of her robe, so the robe of her, of hers is predominantly a purple color, more of like a purpley pink color. Um, but color itself has power and every color speaks differently. So the color purple, a lot of times signifies things such as mystery, royalty, magic, independence, which are all great adjectives that describe Ikora. She's mysterious, at least to me, I think she's still really mysterious. Like we still don't know what, what at what point in her life caused her to go from being this really outspoken individual to following the speaker and and going okay yeah i'll do the vanguard thing um royalty why necessarily she's not necessarily royal she is a leader she is someone that is held in an exalted position um magic warlocks again in general the the shape of the robes um signify that they are magical and then the color again, purple, signifies that as well. And um, independence again. Why I'm reading the the war uh, the grimoire cards that we read earlier show that she was very independent um, in her early years. Another thing that is really interesting to know is if you look at a lot of the other warlock robes within the game, they're very clean, uh, or, or they're not clean. They're 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 ragged on the edges. There's dirt all over them. Um, some of them have like missing pieces, are torn. They're they're definitely robes worn by people that are going out in in getting in their hands dirty. Basically, they're going out and and doing things and fighting things, and their their gear signifies that. Ikora does not. Her outfit is immaculate there's not a there's not a stain on it there's no tears there's no indication that she is in the the practical practice anymore of going out and doing the crucible or doing like she was mentioning earlier going and doing reconnaissance missions with her ghost and dying time and time again so the the fact that her outfit is so pristine speaks a lot of her position and what is required of her. So like she has gone from basically beat cop to behind the desk paper cop. So um, another thing to to notice about Ikora's outfit is that the main body of the fabric is some type of like a cotton. It's some type of natural fabric. It's actually a woven material um, shows that kind of, she's more down to earth. She's a little bit more has her head, not so in the clouds. And that um, to me, it kind of speaks more of her older past of beginning her hands dirty and getting down to the nitty gritty, knowing what we need to do, willing to go out and, and fight if she needs to. But the, the fact that she has um, what to me looks like some type of leather accents towards on the shoulder around the neck um, signifies the sense that it's also not necessarily futuristic, though those could be read as some type of um, futuristic plastic like material, which could would just again lead to more of like, oh, this is just a sci fi type of game. Um, but to me, it reads a lot more. Um, to the fact that she's she's not necessarily out doing and getting her hands dirty more, but at one point she was, and it's an upgrade to from 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 the the soft cloth and the woven. Um, so 
that's that part with the the fabrics. Another thing to also notice is that most warlocks, the higher level you get, the longer your robe gets. So when you start off at level one, you have like the short, itty bitty little robe, and then as you go long, as you go further and further, the higher levels you get, the longer the robe gets. Hers literally is almost touching the ground. Um, if you if you look at pictures of her, you can see that the the cloak is literally pretty much right there and trying to yeah it's it's touching the top of her shoe so um to me that signifies again that she is of a higher level she's um someone to respect because she's the the highest basically i would say maybe highest level warlock at this point in time um looking again at the lines to her actual cloak signifies there are, are like the high collar and even her stance within the the tower. She's holding herself and her robes aren't don't look like a lot of the other warlock robes. The, to me, it looks very much like a uniform. Uh, there's a high collar. There's very sharp shoulders in her outfit. Um, the lines are very vertical um, and they're very straight. They don't really go to a one point um, like a lot of the other warlock robes do. A lot of them create some type of V-shape coming from the shoulders down into the waist section. Hers is very straight and looks like a uniform, which reads very official. I mean, if you think when you think of a uniform, you think of what? Military. Um, you think of cops. You think of... Um, you can even go as simple as suits. Like a suit can be considered uniform and hers reads very, very much like that. So she takes, I feel like she takes her position very serious that she's um, knows that she's an official position and therefore she dresses like that. So when you look at her, you don't really just say like, Oh yeah, she goes out, she does things. She's a war. Cool. Um, it very much reads that like I'm a someone of importance. I'm someone that you need to talk to and that you need to listen to what I have to say. And my final note is that I firmly believe that Zavala has all his mentors um, shave their heads or have no hair. So that way he doesn't feel as bad <laughs> for not having hair. So <laughs> blue head. I know. Oh, uh, one thing I forgot to mention is that um, her actual robe, the designs on the bottom of the robe all diamonds or triangles which if you look at the actual symbols for warlocks for the actual warlock class are a bunch are three diamonds or three three triangles together in a row um so throughout the whole entire thing and it's interesting because her her cloak actually has the diamonds and triangles in different patterns which are in the same patterns seen within the different subclass icons too so it kind of signifies that she's probably touches each individual subclass as well so yeah, the the three triangles I think is usually referred to as the rune of the disciple. Ah, the Thank three you, mountains. Yeah, the three mountains. Hers is interesting because it doesn't have them actually in a row like the mm-hmm. the mountains. It's more they're a little bit more spread out, and there's predominantly diamond patterns. Right. So because right. like um, technically, if you look at a lot of the the center, so like. I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. The the center triangle of the because it's three triangles side by side, you know. Right. Um, there's actually a diamond in the design itself in the center. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So yeah. 
I think that kind of covers most of the interesting points in her attire um, and what what you can say suggests about her character in general. So, yeah, and I think she wears it in a much more masculine manner than a lot of the male warlocks that I see. Mm-hmm. If you just look at her her stance and how she carries herself in her robe, it's like she just with her chest out and her, her arms behind her back, she just looks very military. She does look very military. And if, I mean, her whole entire, the t- at least the top part of her outfit, if you look at just the top part, it looks very military. I mean, she has the same type of lines that you see in a lot of, of U.S. military and Marine type of uniforms. And even the fact that she has the little, I don't even know you want to call it. She has like kind of like an epaulet at the top of on one on her left shoulder, which almost has little dots on it that almost indicates what type of rank that she is. I don't know if that's true, but that's what to me it suggests, you know, like all of it reads very, very, very military. Um, One thing I thought was interesting, her warlock bond actually has the icon of level up that you, you see. Um, And, that icon actually looks like half of the hidden symbol. So I don't know if there's any meaning in that, but it's, it's yeah. So it's an interesting thing because that's actually also the Titan insignia. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not like, it's uh, not, it's, no, it's no, uh, it is. One it's one of them. No, it's, no, it's, it's not, it's not the Titan yeah, it's insignia. A, it's the, it's for one of the Titan codexes. Well, right? it's so it's um it's it's not one of the codexes that are on the subclass. Um I'm trying to find yeah. a better picture of them. Like all the Titan coda codices, I guess you would call them codices are all comprised of uh, very similar to the warlock, you know, three triangles, they're comprised of different variations of diamonds or squares on their side. Um, so usually like, I think it's, I want to say this is codice one or codex one is a square of nine squares and then codex two and codex. And then this is all the second tree on your subclass menus. So I, and I could be wrong cause I'm not, I can't, I'm, I'm not on my Titan at the moment and I can't hover over it, but like the, the level up icon is an interesting, it's, it's basically two bars and then like, a, a tat, I don't need to do like, like a, like a tassel kind of, I guess, hanging out underneath it. I don't. I don't know how to explain it, but if you it's, if you look on the banner for this episode, you'll see it. It's right on her shoulder. It's the level. It's the it's the thing that flashes on the screen when you level up, right? But it's also if you remember back from the original Destiny images, it's also on the chest of the Titan. It's mm-hmm. it's the Titan insignia on their chest of their armor, which is an inter- It's just interesting to me that she would have that on the bond. Yeah, I I was trying to do a little bit of see if it, it appeared anywhere else, and 
I couldn't find anything else besides like the level up. And then I saw that. And also on the Titan too. Um, like I said, it does look very, very, very similar to the Mark of the Hidden, which is on like the cape that you get from Eris and like Eris's logo. So that, that logo that's on her, the cape that you get from her and the little emblem that you get um, according to the grimoires called the Mark of the Hidden, which I'm assuming is like the icon that the quote unquote hidden have on like their uniforms or something along those lines, kind of like how um, the owl, the, the owl guys, um, they have like that little owl symbol. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting that it literally looks like the bottom half of mm. the hidden logo. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's coincidence the, the because is, there's like, so much Ikora's bond. I don't think is it's not um it's not obtainable. Like you can't you can't Mm-mm. get it. <clears throat> but but I just found this. That same symbol, that same symbol is actually on an emblem called the Mentor's Badge. <clears throat> Perhaps this is a Vanguard seal of approval. Right. You I mean, have leveled up from one level to another. So this is not class specific. It's not subclass specific. It is Vanguard Van- specific. This is just a mark of honor that you have moved from one level to the next. But then it's so weird that it's on the chest of a Titan and not on any, it's not seen well, on any it's, other classes. It's on the bond. It's on the bond of a. Of a warlock, right? But you don't get her bond that looks like that, though. Well, I mean... She is the only one that we are aware that has that bond. Yeah, I, so. I mean, like, a lot of people... I'm I'm just, like, reading through all this stuff. Um, a lot of people are kind of agreeing that it's it's not exclusive to... It's, it's predominantly seen on a Titan, but I don't think it's exclusive. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. a lot of people are making the case that it's instead an insignia of either all guardians well, or possibly just the Vanguard. And also mm-hmm. too, you can take these same shapes and I know cause I've actually made this, but you could make the aspect of blood out of these shapes fairly yeah. easily. Well, and I think, um, technically I think you could manipulate, can't you manipulate all the class mm. to a degree? Eh. Meh. To to all, to do what? They all have a well to make the other symbols out of these symbols. So so if you can just take well, these they're shapes, diamond they're all, or they're all they're all, they're all triangle based. Yeah, they are. They are. And uh, but what I mean is these bars can actually be flipped and inverted, and you could actually make the aspect of blood with them. Right. And so the, just just to clarify. Um, not only is it the symbol that's displayed when you level up, it's also worn by two of the vanguards, Zavala and Ikora. And it's, you know, and like Justin said, it's part of the mentor's badge. So I, I think that I, I think we could actually yeah. ac- pretty accurately say that that is not specific to a Titan, even though it's usually, and I think the reference of Titan insignia that you see a lot of with the results when you search for it is because that was part of the pre-release imagery. Like I was saying, that picture of the three guardians with it being on the Titan's chest. I think that that was, um, that was a, uh, a pre pre official thing. Yeah. So I think it I think it might just be a Vanguard mentor badge like you were saying. Yeah, just I'm trying to see if 
if Cade has it on his cloak, then I don't think Cade. I don't. I don't think Cade does, from my memory, and just quickly, quickly looking. But I'm trying to find a picture from from the back that maybe would show. Because if it's on if it's on Ikora's bond, and I'm assuming Zavala has it maybe either on his chest or on his mark as well, his mark, then yeah, Cade, I'd assume it yeah, then Cade would have it somewhere on his cape. I know Cade has like, the Ace of Spades. He has Ace sure. yeah, he has the speeds all throughout his his motif, but like I'm trying to i I'm trying to find a picture from the back of, yeah, of Cade. I'm not, I'm not able to see one. Um But I'd I'd think that we can if it's Given that nature, given the nature of that, I think it's pretty, I could, I'm pretty comfortable saying that that's a, the mark of a Vanguard mentor. Yeah. I that's that, how I, I that kind of interpret sense. it, especially since like you see it when you level up mm-hmm. that you, it kind of goes, oh, A plus, a, you know, it's like your gold star mark or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> With Cade, so. that I completely suspect that that is what it is. Here's a gold star. Good job. A plus. I'm so proud of you. Well done, Buttercup. Um, sorry. No, that's fine. All right. So, ready to do the next part? Yeah. Okay. Let's do the next part. So, I'm thinking. I'm thinking that we're gonna start calling this like something like I don't know, like dispatches from the wild or something. I don't know. But basically what I want to do is I want to give people out who's are listening a chance to send in their own their own thoughts on the topic of the week. Um, so obviously, you know, we'll and I'll and I'll make this comment in the final comments as well. So next week, you know, we'll be Zavala. But this week was Ikora, obviously. And we got it. We got an email from Green Eyed, actually, and she she sent in her thoughts and she actually sent in a couple questions that we I want. And that's the other thing I want to do. I want to give it a chance to actually have you guys ask us questions about the topic that you might have. And we will try to answer them. I think that's kind of a, a you know, another way for us to kind of incorporate the community. And I think that is ultimately what I want to do. Um, so in the email, she's, uh, green says, you know, as far as Ikora, she is the lore master of the Vanguard, making it her business to know what is going on with everything. Things that may be a threat. She knows about things that may not be a threat. She knows about it's her flavor of obsession, like blue and Osiris and Willie and Payne, which leads into her question as a bit of get to know you for Justin and Mel, since they obviously everyone knows my obsession already. Um, the question is, what is your favorite obsession in the lore of Destiny's universe? I'm going to let Justin go first. Yeah, yeah. My favorite obsession um, is actually the nine. Yeah, man, the nine. And I actually have a brand new nine theory that's simmering. So you should hear that soon. But yeah, I just love the ambiguous nature of the number nine and the people or persons or entities or animals or, or life paths, dragons or life paths that might consist of that group of things or non things or, or imaginary numbers that may be the nine. We need to get, we need to get face cams back so you can just see me shaking my head at this. Well, I know. I think (laughs) I always, I, I am always really interested about the use of numbers specifically around the number three, nine and three, because uh-huh. there's all the 
all the symbols for the different classes are triangles, which had three sides. And there's three classes, so three times three is nine. So, and the number, a lot of the things within Destiny are divisible by three. So, and there's actually there's, nine subclasses because there's yeah. three subclasses yeah. for every class. And for each one. Nine sons of the dragon lord. Oh, but God. Yes. Here we go. Oh, okay. Now, now we're getting. All right. So, fun. Mel, Mel, yourself. what's your favorite <laughs> obsession? Oh, man. I. I kind of have a toss up between Tolent and Dredgenior. Um, I feel, I mean, I, I, I think it kind of goes more around like the hive into the darkness and, and kind of like the mysteriousness of it all. Like, where does it come from and what happened to Toland and all that jazz. And um, so I, anytime there's, there's more lore that comes out about that stuff, I start really getting bouncy and like oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so um yeah so when we did the the dredge and your episode a couple of weeks ago i was like yes 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 so. and then you nearly killed me yes yeah i did it was kill you oh, and tolan so Conform- yeah toland <laughs> oh man i love tolan i i love to hate tolan I love so. it. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a good qualifier. That's a good qualifier. <laughs> Cause he's just so, oh man. Colin. <laughs> All right. So shout out. So those are, that's the answer to the question. So what I want, and this is, I'll, I'll lead us in our, our final comments and shout outs. So in, in case you didn't catch it next week's topic is going to be Zavala. So what I want is I want emails, emails from everyone on thoughts and theories on Zavala and any questions that you have on Zavala or, you know, like this, like this week's, you know, what our thoughts are on a, on a generic question. Like obviously not anything inappropriate because that's just opens it up, but mostly dealing with Zavala. I want to, I want to hear thoughts and theories about that. Uh, especially if you're not, especially if you're not in the discord chat or if you, you know, you can't, don't have the opportunity to keep up with the discord chat. Cause sometimes it can get kind of, kind of hectic in there. Um, that's definitely, I definitely want to hear from you guys. Uh, and just send that to the focus fire email, uh, focus fire chat at gmail.com. You know, you'll hear, we'll talk about that, that in the outro. Um, and then also I want to give a huge shout out to, uh, redneck and everyone for the recent reviews over on iTunes. We, we really appreciate it because, Ultimately, like not only does that help, not only does that help us, you know, by getting us more exposure, because the way iTunes technically works is the the more uh, reviews you get, the more relevant you you are in the display of things um, on their on their whole weird storefront. But it also gives us a chance to get better because basically what we look at it as is. It's your 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 constructive criticism on what we're doing right uh, and what we're not doing right, you know, and that can be either on iTunes with the ratings, which, you know, again, really helps or uh, Podbean has comments on the episodes. And I'm trying really hard to uh, follow up with the comments. The app was kind of acting a little wonky these past couple months. So I apologize for the delay in my response on those. Um, we have also finally caught up on youtube so all the episodes are on youtube now except for you know obviously 
each week this I will uh, yeah this one um I'm I'm trying to establish a an appropriate distance as far as timing for uploading and obviously the rendering and everything like that um but if you if you feel more comfortable commenting on any of those mediums please 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 just do that um we just we love getting feedback because that helps us get better and helps us really understand what you guys as listeners are looking for and you know that's that's ultimately what we want to give you so that is my shout outs and final comments justin you got anything yeah yeah i got a few things uh like big big thanks to uh demigod um josh from the bioshock extra lore podcast last night and also mel and blue for carrying me through that thing um and uh great big shout out to redneck and everyone else for the kind words on the interwebs and to my clan dod shadow white crew maybe i'll play with you guys sometime that'd be nice (laughs) i'll put something together um and uh just to you guys mel and blue for you know for being you guys Oh. <laughs> and that's it. That's all okay. I got to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's let's cut that off before it gets too too emotional. Awkward. Uh How about Mel. Did you I, say I have Hmm? I just, I just, I did, we're continuing on. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, actually I'm kind of excited for next week because our clan name is called Fist of Zavala and we have a lot of inappropriate jokes with that, but I'm really excited to <laughs> tell you guys why we came up with that name. Um, that might be more after show material, but anyways, so, um, I'm really excited to be doing this costume fabric theory analysis, but if you guys ever have any specific questions, um, about a certain character's costume or, or anything like, Hey Mel, they have this on their outfit. Why do you think that is? Send that in an email and let us know. And I would love to, to talk about it. So if you guys have any questions or, or little tidbits or ideas for improvement on the new, the new section of our stuff of our podcast please please send a email to us on uh, the email that blue just mentioned yep, so. and just put uh let's do subject of i don't know fabric theory want. fabric theory we can just continue and call it a fabric theory even okay. though not everything we, can, we cover is fabric, fabric theory. theory yeah <laughs> i really i realized so. that i was like that's really not an approach like it doesn't actually say what we're talking about but it just kind of yeah I like the way it sounds. I mean, costume analysis is a better term for it, but it's too technical. I like fabric theory. It sounds way more official. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's what we'll do. If you have a question for Mel, send it to us on that email and just either just put question for Mel or put fabric theory or, you know, I'll read it. So as long as it's not like super yeah. inappropriate, you're going to get, you're going to get a response. Like, I mean, it really, honestly, wow. um, why you set that bar high. I really set that bar high. Um, <laughs> and it, it's true. I, I try, I'll, I'll be honest. I try to respond to every email that we get. Um, sometimes it's tough and we get a couple that I'm, I don't really know how to respond to, but I do try. I, I give everyone a fair shot. Um, I'll be, I'll be honest. Sometimes I, I do, I do give 
I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I give I give everyone a response. Do we? That's, that's my point. Blue. Do we get? Do we get inappropriate ones? We don't get inappropriate ones. Um, if we do, can I have those? Yes. Can I handle if those? we get inappropriate ones, we are going to forward them to Justin. And okay, cool. I warn people that is not a good thing. Um, not for you. Not yeah. not for the person sitting it because <laughs> just. It's not a good thing, but yeah, no, we don't, we don't get inappropriate ones. Uh, it's just some, some question. It, yeah. It's just, we get, <laughs> show, we get guys. very, After we, show. yeah, we get really random <laughs> questions and uh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> so before I babble on too much with that, uh, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend the evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found on our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. We do try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting out at approximately 10 p.m. Central, but if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at focusfirechat. Also, please be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.